0: Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans, Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry-standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Harvard Technology Group's podcast, The Perfect Storm. I'm super excited today to have uh, someone I've known for a long time, Matthew Cerny. Well, you're Matt, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Matt Cerny, who is the Director of Information Security at Integra Life Sciences. Um, Matt and I uh, have known each other, um, I, it's been at least five years, right?
2: Yeah. 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 S- six. Six, six okay. now. Yep. Right. Yeah, yep.
1: That's about right. Um, yep. And Matt, uh, Matt and I have worked closely together. Uh, you know, as Harbor has done some projects with Integra, I'm super stoked to have to Matt, have Matt on the call. Uh, Matt, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself and uh, Integra?
2: Yep. So, Integra Life Sciences is a, a global medical device company, uh, as well as a leader in neurosurgery. We do a number of medical devices, instruments, uh, and systems used for critical care. I think. When I describe Integra Life Sciences to my friends and family, I kind of say we're we're the Stark Industries for orthopedics, neurosurgery, <laughs> and reconstructive surgery. Right. Um, at least, at least that's what I tell my friends to to make it sound super cool. But I think I think the work we do at Integra is super cool. So that's kind of the way to 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 tell friends and family about it. But uh, over there, I'm the director of cybersecurity. I've been there for about six years at our headquarters in in Princeton, New, uh, Princeton, New Jersey. And I've been in the cybersecurity field for 18 years now.
1: That's, it's only been 18 because you're so young.
2: Yes. Yes. Right. And I have the, the gray hair to prove it.
1: <laughs> I think that might be, that might be a thing that's become more of a standard um, for a uh, cyber guys. Cause my hair is all white as well. So uh,
2: over the course of the past two years, a- absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's right.
1: So um well, Matt, thanks again for uh, spending a few minutes with us. Um, really appreciate it. <laughs> so you and I, as, as we were kind of prepping for this, we we're trying to decide what our topic was going to be. And, you know, it, uh, as, as you know, uh, Harbor, you know, helps a lot of uh, various size organizations, you know, publicly traded companies like Integra, um, as well as small organizations that pour concrete. And everything in between fintech companies, financial, uh, insurance companies, uh, tech companies, healthcare organizations, et cetera. But I I thought you could give a a unique insight into not just, you know, basically what's important and what people should be concerned uh, with, not from a, you know, we're a large organization and we can do everything uh, kind of uh, mindset, but really what are the basics that uh, an organization should be focused on? Uh, call it basic blocking and tackling.
2: Yeah, I think, it, you know, I think to that point, I think keeping it simple and using what you have, I think are two big themes throughout my career as I've kind of gone through things now, obviously at Integra Life Sciences, it, you know, we do have a pretty robust program. But if I think of, it, you know, what's at the heart of it, it is a lot of blocking and tackling. It is utilizing a lot of standards and baselines and understanding that you do have tools at your disposal to start out with cybersecurity and building secure systems and using things like CIS benchmarks where, hey, I've got a new operating system or I've got a, a new tool that's that's coming out. Maybe what are the best practices that I should be looking at from a benchmark to say, yeah, yeah I want to implement that particular standard and harden that particular system. So I think, again, using things at your disposal that you've already got to have, and maybe you know how to do those things, maybe you don't, but there's certainly guidance out there. I think as you and I were talking earlier, as well as utilizing your community as well to, to talk to other people about what they're doing or suggestions and advice, a lot like you know we've done with you over the course of the number of years.
1: Oh, let's let's be clear um although I we do appreciate you bringing me in and helping you guys out there not a month goes by that I don't reach out to you and say hey have you heard about x y or z or what are you doing for you know a b and c um but I think to your point that's using the community that's available to to um to us to to better understand what's happening you know I think it's it's um you brought up the the ICIS benchmarks and kind of the, the resources that are made available through the industry, through the U.S. federal government and and like the U.K. government, the French government, et cetera, uh, because there's really there's a vested interest by all organizations and all parties for companies to be more secure full stop, like forget the spend and the the excitement in the industry on the growth of you know cybersecurity as 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 a as a market. It's really. Ultimately, we, we, we are all better if everybody's more secure. So that's where I think there's I think there's an intimidation factor for those that aren't as uh, experienced as us as, as white hair guys um, that, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Who do I ask? Uh, what do I do? Everything's so expensive. What what we really need to be uh, letting people know is there's tons of resources out there that don't cost anything more than a little bit of time to, to familiar yourself with, uh, like the CIS benchmarks, or some type of framework uh, to adopt on how to better secure your environment. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Absolutely. Uh, And I think even to that point, as well as things as simple as security awareness and educating individuals on what maybe they should look for, what they should look out for, or better yet, just enabling the trust factor is, hey, if you see something, you can come to me and tell me what you're seeing, and I'm going to help you you know there's no harm in letting us know that you're seeing something that's that's odd we'd rather you come to us for help rather than not say anything and something become a larger problem in the future
1: well and i think that is uh, that's something that um, that michael and i my business partner and i talk about a lot like if the organization let's say you're a 150 person company the organization isn't thinking about cybersecurity security at all then you can't just expect your staff to care about it like it, it, this just like caring about revenue, caring about customer service, caring about operations, caring about information security, cybersecurity is something that has to start at the top um, and work its way down. So that education and awareness um, is 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 something that that works, you know, hand in hand. There, you know, the the senior execs need to be educated and aware of what what threats they face. And then make sure that, that they're expressing those concerns and, and, and the need for greater awareness uh, to the staff. Um, it's, it's, it's simple, right?
2: It, it is. It is. And, it, and as much as, it, you know, look, it affects business. It also affects our home lives and our personal lives as well. And I think if you make it relatable to that standpoint is, hey, look, you wouldn't some, want something to happen to your, to your home PC or your, your home network. certainly don't want that same thing happening to the business environment and look we can we can educate you what to do here at the business and you can take that back and learn what you can do at home as well and they balance each other out so that's what's in it for for other individuals is you know look the protection that you you add for your business potentially is protection that you bring home and and utilize that as well
1: oh my gosh it's so so true um michael talks about it a lot and i've started to pick up on it well i did years ago but um you know, if, if one of your employees has their identity stolen because they've clicked on a phishing link, the one thing I can promise you, they won't be an effective employee because they're going to be focused on saving their identity, all the credit problems that come with it, the financial problems that comes with it. I mean, so it's this, this really, it really highlights the need for that, that security across all things, not just the organization, but, but your staff, um, your family, etc. It really needs to be all-encompassing, and that sounds like really pie-in-the-sky stuff. It, it's it's not. It's simple stuff. Just being aware of what you need to be, being aware of what you need to be aware of. You know, I, I'm an artist when it comes to to writing this stuff. Um, just being really conscious of of what's happening out in the world, and it's, you know, you can't not see the the headlines on the New York Times or. CNN or Fox news that is talking about, um, you know, some type of cyber event, just, it doesn't take much to know that this is happening everywhere. So what do, what do you guys do to educate, uh, staff?
2: So we have a series of videos that we can send out to individuals. Uh, and we do that at a pretty frequent basis. We also have a tool in house where we kind of make cybersecurity available at your fingertips. So, I think of the, the adoption of new technology, things like Teams and Zoom and, and how should I use that securely? Uh, we have a particular product that individuals can log into. I, I call it a lot like its own kind of corporate YouTube where I can you know search for specific information. And then we also do the simulated phishing exercises with a soft landing. I think the soft landing is extremely important to let individuals know like anybody can fall victim to a phishing exercise or a phishing email, depending on what that particular situation is. You mentioned somebody that's got their identity stolen. You know, I think individuals on a daily basis are going through certain things. And while that shipping email may seem completely out of the ordinary to one individual, I think to another person that's expecting a package at at the office might seem completely relatable. And that's and that's how they fall victim to it. Totally, totally. But knowing the things to kind of look for and identify. And then lastly, I think we also realize that that cybersecurity to some degree is seasonal. You know, so around the holiday times, we're going to see an uptick as we migrate into tax season. You know, we're going to see an uptick. Uh, And even sometimes at the beginning of summer, we'll see an uptick, too. And then we'll see things kind of dissipate, you know, as you hit that that july and august timeframe, i think as as more and more people take vacations it, you know we acknowledge that look we'll probably see a downtick in in some of those those different times
1: i i don't know if it's appropriate or not but there's a weird correlation with that uptick in cyber kind of issues around the holidays and certain times of the year and boy it it <laughs> it resembles the COVID outbreaks and how they're happening too. It's, just a, it's a secondary comment. I, I obviously have nothing to do with each other really, but it's just weird how that happens. Um, you're absolutely right. They're Being aware of all those things. And I think it's really important to note that although Integra can make investment in tools that maybe smaller organizations can't, you're doing so because you're doing it in mass. Smaller organizations, th- these resources are available for free um, through the US government websites, through different cert uh, organizations. So, you know, training your staff, fishing your staff, all of that can be, um, you know, is available to, to folks for free. It's just, it's a time thing, uh, which I understand comes with a cost as well. But uh, if you spend a little bit of time, you can definitely get this rolled out to your client. So So, or to your staff. So awareness being one of the basic blocking and tackling items. What would be another thing that, that you think everyone should focus on?
2: So I think knowing kind of your adversary, and this one is is really some relatively simplistic in, in my eyes. Yet I think as I go into environments, I don't always see it in play. So knowing where your adversaries are going to drop malicious files, right? They're gonna they're gonna drop malicious files into areas that they can write to. And those things are like temp directories, right? So I think an easy thing for companies to do is maybe to create a program as individuals start up and shut down that just deletes everything in your temp in your temporary files. So it, you know before anything could even launch, it, you know let's let's eradicate what potentially uh, a threat actor may have dropped on a particular system. Uh, low cost, it, you know, low profile. But I, I certainly believe, you know, malware numbers or any virus numbers start to deteriorate pretty quickly once you start just deleting temporary files, where threat actors know that they can drop those particular malicious files.
1: Is this something that is available in a lot of um, like anti-malware, antivirus uh, systems, like Sophos or Symantec or whomever, Carbon Black, or is this something that a rule that you have to deploy onto a machine?
2: So this this could be as simple as as a batch file that you create that says look anything in C percent user profile it, you know go ahead and delete delete this particular temp directory that's in there I think inside the antivirus solutions like it, you know Defender or whatnot looking for potentially unwanted programs they call them Pups or PUAs um, is another piece to to turn on as well so that's another feature add that. That you could enable in there to so not just looking for malware, but potentially grayware that ultimately turns into future malware.
1: Right. So, so let's let's boil this into a, a, a kind of a statement about like awareness training or just awareness in general. This is just protecting the endpoint with common hygiene. So it's yes. endpoint endpoint hygiene. Yes. That, that looks like make sure your all your devices and I, you're going to roll your eyes like make sure all your devices have some type of anti-malware antivirus application, which is an issue. And, you know, any of our clients out there listening that, you know, I'm talking about you when you don't have it. Um, The other thing would be simple uh, best practices for, for hygiene uh, like cleaning out uh, temp files as systems are restarted.
2: Yep. Absolutely.
1: I would also throw into that, um, making sure systems are getting patched or updated, right? Yes. Um, So that's all part of that endpoint hygiene. Now, that patch management gets a little bit more tricky for any organization trying to do it across the enterprise, um, as we would say. But you can do simple things like make sure that your browsers are automatically updating, like Chrome. Make sure that your operating system, like Windows, is automatically patching. um, Yeah. There are some considerations there, but, but those, are, those are simple enough rules and, and that they're set to, to uh, restart so those patches are being applied. A lot of software these days automatically updates um, unless you've disabled it. So make sure that where you can that you have you know, Adobe automatically applying you know, patches and updates, uh, your operating system automatically applying updates, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's part of that hygiene bucket, right?
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think on the hygiene side of things is extremely important. It, you know, we talk about, you know, our regular hygiene of getting exercise, good sleep, it, you know, good diet. I think the same absolutely applies in the cybersecurity realm of making sure antivirus, it, you know, is enabled and up to date. You know, so not only that's enabled, but hey, I got in the most recent definitions that are out there. To your point making the patches and if they if they do have the ability to update themselves absolutely those are the things that you know that go a long way about protecting your operating systems and protecting your business
1: using your analogy because i know you love analogies using that analogy about personal hygiene like if you don't brush your teeth at least once a day every day eventually you're going to have a cavity yeah you don't patch your systems you will eventually have a problem related to some type of anti or some type of virus or my malware, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we have awareness. Let's, let's do one more awareness, hygiene. Would we, would, we talk a lot about backups um, of data. Um, would you consider that part of hygiene or is that something, is that hygiene or not? Or is that something else? Is that like operational excellence? Um, so. Sure.
2: Yeah, it, it it's a tough one that it kind of falls into because it, you know you you got your kind of crawl walk run analogy thing, and I think backups are are absolutely an important part of it. But I think sometimes it's it's maybe maybe that's the cross can CrossFit component of it, you know exercising where <laughs> hey I'm am I'm a runner, but now I'm getting into into CrossFit. But I think I think the backup side of things is important, and I think I think you make a good call on that. And I think there's there's solutions out there that are relatively easy to implement to create a backup for an individual in the event that something does go wrong. So I think right. those opportunities are available, you know, at a relatively low cost, if not free, to some degree, to make sure that you're backing up certain components uh, of your data.
1: Right, right. Um, and and this would be one that, if you're an enterprise, um, to make an investment in. I mean. Maybe being cost conscious about the investment, but you should be making an investment, especially if you're a data-centric type of company. Um, if you, you know, have a lot of client records and and you're keeping those, you know, in a system on site that's not uh, some type of cloud-based application, you're going to want to make sure that you you protect that that critically important data within your system. And you know. It, Oftentimes people are like, well, backups isn't really a security problem. Well, as you and I both know, it 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 talks to the integrity and availability of data. In fact, in some levels, the confidentiality, which is the, the mantra of all security professionals, but definitely availability of data is, is a concern when it comes to backups. So let's just let's just lump backups by itself as, as one. So we have awareness. Um, High, you know, endpoint hygiene or device hygiene or general hygiene, whatever we want to call it, backing up data. So the other things, I, 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 again, I try to simplify everything, maybe too much, but uh, like the, the idea of kind of the, the low-hanging flute, fruit, very specific security items. So one thing would be like enabling MFA everywhere, multi-factor or two-factor authentication everywhere you can,
2: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And it, again, I think this goes back to even the personal side of things. So not, not only from a business perspective, but even the personal side of things, MFA, it, you know, wherever possible should be enabled. Definitely without a doubt.
1: What, because cracking passwords is easy. That's it's as simple as that. I mean, if you have a password that's 30 characters long and it's multiple types of care, you know, dip, varying characters. I mean, it's, that's really, really hard to crack. It's also impossible to remember. So you're gonna write it down or save it, never change it. Like it's better just to put a, a level of security in front of your, your you know, the regular username, password um, authentication and add that multi-factor, whether it be an SMS or a text message or a phone call, or some other type of multi-factor to, to prove the identity that you're the actual person trying to uh, access the site.
2: Um, yeah, and then I think I think one more component to that is uh, is when you do get that particular request, uh, make sure it was you that was doing it at the particular time. <laughs> um, it, you right. know, so 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 don't just blanketly kind of approve multi-factor authentication requests. Make sure to get your at a computer or device before you it, you approve a particular. Request, but I, I agree. I think you know the password side of things is is ultimately starting to go by the wayside. There's been so many breaches and and so many collective groups that have put together passwords from that brute force perspective. Just enabling MFA is is just your easiest option.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, we don't want to set any false uh, perception here. Uh, multi-factor is also not foolproof, like just about everything in security. Um, it is crackable, hackable. Um, we'll spare you the gory details on how that can happen, but but that would be one of those just general security practices that I would say it comes really at no cost. Um, right. right, If somebody's charging you for for multi-factor. Boy, they're they're not they're not doing the right things for the right reasons. But you know, Google, your banks, Microsoft, they they all provide multi-factor at no cost.
2: Yeah. Um, yep.
1: So, and and I think it's an important note. Some organizations some uh, are worried that maybe their employees are using their own mobile phones um, and may not want to receive uh, corporate based text messages for multi-factor it's always been a head scratcher to me because if you were if you're going to use your phone as an example to check uh email then why wouldn't you want to get an sms on it a text message on it if even if you're not then you can just have that that a phone call made and you know microsoft will read you a text message or read you a pin number that you can use for multi-factor so it doesn't have to be an sms
2: right uh, right yeah, yeah.
1: What what else would you throw into that that kind of general security bucket? That's a that's a pretty low hanging fruit for people. I might be putting you on the spot because I picked a pretty easy one by me being so smart and saying MFA. So
2: you go. I think <laughs> the I think I think the other side of it is email security. So I you know I look at avenues of you know where's large areas of activity coming from, and email certainly becomes one of them. I don't think this is, this is something that's complicated either. It, you know, and I think this starts with, Hey, what are you stopping or what are you preventing at your email gateway? It, you know, are you blocking batch files? Are you, lock, are you blocking it? You know, script files, things like that. So, so looking at, Hey, what are just some of the blanket options that ultimately we don't want those particular attachments? We don't pass those attachments around in the office anyway. So blocking those different things. And again, I'd look at this more as that cyber hygiene side of things. You know, you can evolve, you know, at least start with the basics of batch files and script files and things like that. But then I think you can start to look out there at other informational sites that will give you a longer list that maybe you don't want to pass around and share. And I think that's another area on the email security side of things to look at, to see what you can able from a security perspective as a control to, to prevent things from coming in.
1: Right. And I think the key there is, and and maybe we didn't state this early enough. A lot of times security is trying to uh, prevent somebody doing something unintentionally. Yes. Like awareness training is trying to teach people not to open files or click on links unintentionally, there's no nefarious reasons for them trying to open a file. They're just trying to do their job, but to be aware of that there could be problems that same is true with, you know, setting email rules because you don't want somebody to unintentionally execute some type of scripting. Right. That's come in through email. Um, yeah. And I would say most of the email services, and this is, this is I'm over my skis a little bit uh, here. I think most of them, when you check a certain number of boxes, they they kind of give you the best practices. You don't have to be a an email security expert. You just need to have administrative access so that you can make the changes in, you know, uh, work Google Workplace or Office 365 or Microsoft 365, et cetera, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of them, you know, are gonna have that checkbox to click that feature. And then to your point. You know, you can always append or add on later, you know, as you start to gain more knowledge about potential avenues that, that individuals might be using uh, to try and get inside through email. So absolutely, they'll start off with the basics, but then to that point, you can always provide more to that particular box, you know, to say, hey, on top of that, we want to block this, this and this. Obviously, you know, threat actors are going to change their tactics as they start to learn about systems sure. as well. Sure. So understanding, it, you know, hey, we might have to add additional uh, things to that in the future.
1: By the way, that goes back to the awareness. So that's just the circle of, you know, the circle of life, so to speak, with, with security. You know, it's trying to stay aware because it's not a set it and forget it kind of world that we live in with cybersecurity, right?
2: Agreed, agreed.
1: So I'm, I'm gonna throw out one more basic thing, unless you have another one, I'm gonna throw out encryption. Uh, encryption is probably a an easy one for people to implement um, that allows, you know, provides a level of security, um, particularly with mobile devices. Um, I mean, if you have an iPhone, it's kind of encrypted by default unless you turn it off, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> if you have an Apple, and Matt, you know that that I'm a Kind of a fanboy, but not a total fanboy. They they kind of are out of the box ready and encrypted. Yeah, well, setting it up on a new Windows machine is not difficult either. You should should enable it to some type of encryption if you want to do it enterprise wide. It comes becomes a little bit more complicated with key management, but uh, a lot of a lot of inexpensive systems out there to to manage the encryption keys for you um, in your Windows environment. So I think it's an important to encrypt at least the devices that are mobile, correct?
2: Absolutely, Uh, I agree with that statement too. And I I think the other piece on the encryption side is, you know, knowing when to use it appropriately, not just from a a mobility standpoint or an endpoint standpoint, but if you and I are gonna exchange certain information, you know, maybe I wanna protect that information. And knowing that those feature sets are available in things like Office, you know, you can utilize the the native encryption that's built in there, but knowing that, hey, I should use this at this particular time is part of that education side of things too, is, hey, look, would you want that information to get out and get lost? I talk about, you know, USB encryption sometimes with individuals at at work and say, look, what if you lost that device? Would you you want somebody on the other end to find that? And I think it, it always comes back shockingly is, no, I don't think I would. Then, then let's right. encrypt it and let's add that level of encryption.
1: Right. If if you're going to allow them to walk around with those little devices,
2: exactly. That's yep. a
1: whole different debate,
2: but uh, that, that's that for the a- next,
1: that's a that's the next podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Anything else you'd like to add to that? Uh, I, I mean, I think I think what we've pointed out so far: awareness, hygiene, yeah, backup, and then some some very simple things to talk about. MFA or multi-factor, two-factor, some additional type of authentication outside of username password, um, encryption. Uh, what else did we talk about?
2: Email security. Oh, email
1: security. Yes, absolutely.
2: And I think the the last maybe one that that's always a little bit of a piece of the puzzle is is the internet. And I think it, you know what's what's interesting to me is oh, what
1: that thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. I, I think I think what's happening with the browser, it, you know. On an endpoint is extremely interesting to me, because I think before you used to have these large enterprise tools that you know you had to roll out, you know, content filtering and this type of blocking and and all these different feature sets. But I'm seeing a lot more of those features being built in natively to internet browsers today. So I think taking a look at maybe what some of those particular options are, um, and seeing about enabling some of those feature sets on the more modern browsers.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and. Along those lines, you just used a a perfect word there modern browsers. Like if your browser is outdated or not updated, you're in big trouble browsing the internet.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Definitely keep those browsers updated because that's really email and what you surf to are the two ways people are going to break into most companies. They're not, they're not breaking through your firewalls. And by the way, did we, did you notice that we didn't even talk about firewalls?
2: Right. Because that's,
1: I mean, they're important. Don't get me wrong. But that's, I mean, big companies have people knocking at the front door, but small yeah. organizations—they, that's not the, that's not the vector. That's not yep. the attack vector. Agreed. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So browser, browser security for sure. Um, yeah. And a- again, that's uh, the the security features that are built into like a Google Chrome or a Firefox, um, and even Edge and 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 Safari are solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if you're if you're really interested in privacy. There's there's other browsers that uh, not only have security feature sets, but also some privacy feature sets. They may hinder your browsing experience, but you won't get uh, you won't get tracked like 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 the other browsers allow for. Right. Let's just put it that way. Right. All right. Cool. Um, well, I think that's a, a good list of, of items. Um, really appreciate the uh, the insight there. And hopefully hopefully, the, the, the listeners will, will take something away from that. Um, I think the, the key is just, I think it, it, we started at the right spot, which is awareness. Just be aware of what's happening. Yeah. Listen to podcasts, maybe not like this one, but other ones that tell you what to do. Read the news. Uh, keep your staff updated. Just keep yourself updated. And that will take you half the way to good security, really, is what it comes down to.
2: Agreed. Agreed.
1: Cool. So uh, we end every podcast. Uh, We are Harbor Technology Group, so we ask everyone for a um, a good harbor, a place on the water Uh, they like to go. um, And uh, you know, since we're there, why don't we grab a beer or a burger or something? So maybe a a a, a nice spot for us to to enjoy that harbor or the beach. Uh, Do you have something in mind?
2: Uh, I do. I do, and I it's got a bunch of lighthouses uh, along the way as well. Perfect. Um, I think you and I, Matt, have shared the fact I'm a, I'm a big Outer Banks guy. Uh, my wife and I started going down there probably 14 years ago, and uh, we, we started out, and then we bring the kids down there. But a specific spot is in Duck, North Carolina. It's called uh, the Blue Point, and there's an area called the Back Bar, uh, and that is, that's my favorite spot. It, you know, sunsets right over top of there, ice cold beer. Uh, looking over the water is, is the place to be kind
1: of makes you want to be there right now, doesn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) That's a good one. So I don't know that that, I think the outer banks have have been on one. Um, Maybe not, maybe not. Uh, But I know duck hasn't. Uh, Our our goal is to uh, on our podcast page of the um, on our website is to put a pin in each of the locations uh, on like a Google map. So we're eventually getting there, but, uh, you know, perfect. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. All right, cool. Well, Matt, uh, appreciate it. I hope the next time, uh, we get together, we're able to get together in person. I will give a little bit, of, a, a little bit of insight, Matt and a couple of, uh, or one, at least one person on his team, uh, were the first client that I've seen in person. Um, what was that? Probably late summer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep.
1: They were the first client that we'd seen in person in you know a year and a half, which was fun. I think we both enjoyed actually seeing somebody else uh, yeah. besides, besides our loved ones, right? Right, right.
2: Yeah, <laughs> All
1: right. Well, hopefully we're able to do that again soon. Um, and again, really appreciate it.
2: Nope. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
0: Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry-standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from Cyber Risk Advisory to VCSO Consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show.